Don't say no, no, one if, more thing about no, that. Just shut you, your mouth right now, Ashton. I'm warning you. That's your. This is your last warning. Don't talk no that more. with me, dude. No, seriously. Oh, no, Chaz, what's up, dude? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Is this the start? This is the start. Oh, okay. We are live. Action. Hello. Hello. Good Welcome morning. Welcome back to The Grit. <laughs> Thank March you. 2nd, 2018, Surfrider Foundation is hosting us yet again. Thank you to them. Did, Shout out to them. Did you fill out your uh, waiver? The, the, the Goggins waiver? I, did, I didn't yet. I got to do it. Yeah. Remind me after the show. Now that we, uh, after that incident, now that when we record in here, Surfrider is so wonderful and kind, but also makes us fill out waivers now. Because of the Goggins incident. They should have all along. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like from the get-go, that would have been like a, a normal business move. Um, very kindly, though, it was just like a handshake agreement. So we didn't even think that we would need that. Yeah. And it is, this room is actually designated as the quiet room. Oh, so I think maybe they re- they thought, hey, it's called a quiet room. You guys should be quiet in there. Yeah. And we, we weren't quiet. No. no, we didn't abide by quiet room rules. No, but surfrider.org, everybody knows how important Surfrider is. Um, you could sign up for 25 bucks a year to be a member. Super important causes right now, the offshore drilling thing that we've discussed previously on this episode. But a little bit more pertinent, pertinent to you and I the San Onofre nuclear power plant. Have you been paying attention? To I have. They, I mean, that's the thing, though, is I went, I actually went to some of those uh, city hall meetings really? with Ian Cairns. Yeah, Ian Cairns is a big involved in that in a big way and invited me up to one. Uh, so I went and yeah, you realize just what a sticky wicket the whole thing is when you're actually up there hearing all the sides and everything. I mean, it's such an absurd thing, obviously, to, to bury nuclear waste in the sand which is, you know, clearly idiotic, but they have, they have no option. I mean, there's no other option right now, which I don't know why they don't just bury it like deep Pendleton. That's what I was always wondering. Mm. Pendleton has a whole ton of property. Why don't they bury it at the end of Pendleton, Camp Pendleton's property? Apparently they can't move it for a number of years. Like it, it took five to seven years to get to the point where you can move it down to the beach. Correct. To get yeah. to the point to move it from, I guess, yeah, the boobs Co- yeah. to the beach. Which is crazy. They're literally burying nuclear waste in the sand. 100 feet from the ocean. It is. I mean, it's like a, in global warming time with rising sea levels, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's such an absolute utter disaster that I don't, I don't, that's the confusing thing to me is how anybody thinks any of this is a good idea. And I, I don't that, think they do. I know they don't. That's yeah. the problem, but there's nowhere to put it. Like even right. the, there's nobody a proponent of burying it in the sand. There's just no option. Right. And the canisters that they are bearing them in are like the less expensive. There's two versions of these yeah. canisters you could buy. They bought the cheaper ones. Yep. They have a 20 year lifespan. So they're gonna fail within yeah. 20 years or at 20 years. And each of the 74 canisters has enough radiation, has more radiation in, in it than was released during Chernobyl. Yeah, sweet. And based on our weather patterns, they're like, one of if one of them gets released, it'll cover our country, yeah. our entire nation. Great. Chernobyl, Thank- across the country, times 74. Thank you, San Onofre. Crazy. Yeah. Well, but yeah, nobody thinks it's a good idea, but Edison yeah. needed to generate power that you and I are using so that... And obviously, it's profitable for them to do so. So therein lies the crux. Yeah, yeah. but not anymore. I mean, that thing has no. been. Yeah. And well, that's the other thing too. Is Edison tried to pass off the uh, cost or, or the loss of whatever power onto the consumer from that? Like it was all their own fault. And then, yeah, it's a disaster. 
total disaster. So we, it's much too complicated for you and I to really um, figure out on our own. But surfrider.org is the type of foundation that you know goes to bat for the people. So uh, surfrider.org, definitely get involved. And then they're kind enough to host Chaz and I here every two weeks. Uh, Chaz, we got a lot to catch up on, dude. Sure do. You had your soldier, 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 my soldier surgery. <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm recovering. I know, dude. You're I'm, all bandaged up right now. I'm in recovery. Yeah, it's awful. How'd it go? It went. I mean, I think the surgery went good. Okay. But yeah, I'm not supposed to lift more than a pound in my left arm for two months, or oh else my, my bicep will rip off. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Brutal, dude. How's everything yep. else going? It's been a rough, a rough uh, couple days. I got a cold. I just got diagnosed with cancer yesterday. What? Yeah. Cancer. Cancer. Are you serious? Yeah. And you are um, announcing it the very next day? Yeah. Here? Well, I mean, I'm I'm still kind of processing it and and all that. I, I I don't know what to think. Shh. What type? I mean, how serious are we talking? It's not. It's the, <laughs> it's the. It's the cancer that all surfers should have. Uh, should? Yeah. I mean, I think if you don't have, it's the basal cell. I can't remember the one. It's the one that, yeah, that you get, you can either get cut out or treat with a cream. So it's not a serious cancer. We're talking skin cancer. We're talking skin cancer. Okay. That, that surf skin cancer. Skin cancer can kill you, by the, the way. Skin cancer serious, but the, this one, the basal cell, whatever it's called, is, I don't think it is serious. But it was funny, uh, the nurse from the dermatology place, so... I went in, I saw, it was Grant Ellis, the photo editor of Surfer, amazing man. Uh, last time I saw him, he had a big, like, stitches in his forehead, and, and I asked him, what, what happened? And he said, oh, I got a, you know, one of the skin cancers cut out. And I thought, oh, well, how did you know you had a skin cancer there? And he described what it was like, and then I said, oh, I think I have one of those. And he said, yeah, go get it checked out. And then sure enough, Grant Ellis was right. So I feel, to be honest, uh... It took me 40 some years for I'm 41. So it took 41 years to get one of these surf cancers, which is kind of embarrassing. I think I should have had one earlier. Yeah. Had you been surfing more actively, you would have see, and it's in the awesomely it's on my chest, right? Where my typically low scooped necks don't cover. And so this is the price, this is the price I pay for fashion skin, <laughs> is skin cancer. It's a high price. Yeah. But I'm, well, when I asked you, uh, how you're doing, you were really in character there for a solid five to 10 seconds acting like this was going to be the end of Chaz. Yeah. Cancer. But it, it is like, that's the thing. Back when the nurse called me and told me, uh, my wife happened to be on the line at the same time. And so she said, Oh, happened to be, she happened you guys to be. just answer calls together. She happened to be there on the line. Uh, and the nurse said, um, okay, so we tested this one. That's fine. This one's fine. But this one on your chest is, uh, you know, whatever it's called. I can't, I can't remember what my cancer is called. I need to learn. Um, and the wife said, oh, so it's uh, so it's like a pre-cancer thing. And the nurse said, no, it's a, it's cancer. And then I thought, man, I'm a survivor now. Or maybe. But I haven't survived it yet. Right. But I have the opportunity to go to marches now. And I was thinking about that. But then I was thinking how rude it is to people with real cancer if you show up with your fake cancer. <laughs> And like try to get money and all that. That would be pretty rude, yeah? Well, there's two ways you can look at it. You're either um, expanding awareness. You know, you're just one more person there shouting, you know, which will lead to, um, you know, cancer research dollars and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Or you're stealing part of the limelight from somebody who has a finite amount of time left. We all do. They have a less finite amount of time. Sure. I mean, is it, would it be rude though, if I really, (laughs) if I started like signing off emails, cancer survivor and things, (laughs) I mean, again, I haven't survived it yet. I haven't got it cut out, but, uh, 
Yeah, I'm gonna let you try, and then you tell me what the results of the, okay. of the humor are. Uh, <laughs> but it is hilarious. It is really funny. Like in today's liberal American society, like you could definitely play that card and just be like, "Who are you to tell me that my cancer is less valuable than you cancer? Yeah, I identify as somebody who has a life threatening cancer. Don't judge my cancer. Don't. Yeah. How dare you? Do not judge my cancer. I'm a survivor. Yeah. See. I think if, yeah, I wonder how mad people will get. Well, we'll see. I'd say really mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that make, would be my guess. <laughs> making making light of cancer is, I think, maybe, is that a is that something that we can have fun with? Not I, yet. I, I, I feel in society it's not something that's funny, right? If you, okay, if you are a cancer survivor, then you, can you make are fun. then allowed. Okay, but I, but I am now, right? I know, that's the thing. You are. I am too. I you had, had a couple cut, cut out. out. Yeah. Der- I mean, I think Derek, always, Derek Riley, partner at Beach Grit, uh, prefers the cutout over wearing sunscreen. Like he prefers that. Option. Really? Yeah, dude. So that's something really interesting to, to think about, you know, like, will we find out in 10 years or 30, 40 years from now that sunblock is poisoning your body and giving you some other type of cancer? Because you look at a lot of things, diet, mm-hmm. whatever, where 20 years ago, all everybody talked about was, uh, pasta is great for you. Yeah. Like eat pot. When I was growing up, it was like, eat pasta, eat granola, eat oatmeal. And now everybody's like, no carbs. Don't yeah. eat any carbs at all. Eat high fat, eat high protein. And, um, I almost want to not pay attention to any of it and just do what feels right. And what logic tells me. And I think that there's, you know, my grandpa, for example, lives in Colorado, has a farm, he's 80. He still rides motorcycles, still skis, like skis. Thin as a rail, eats bacon and eggs every morning for breakfast. Like, it just does not have any awareness about what you and I think diet sure. should or shouldn't be. And he's super healthy. I mean, I think trending diet trends and all that kind of stuff. I wonder about that. There's there's a lot of kids at my child's preschool who come uh, slathered in sunscreen. Right? They come and they're outside, you know, a bunch, but it's mostly shady at the preschool and all that kind of stuff. And I just wonder. If you're blocking, and again, maybe a kind scientist or a health person could, can email in and tell me how I'm wrong. But it just seems, it seems like you're, if your kid has no ability to like absorb right. any sunlight at all, then how does their future look? I think when you're, anything in polarities is like a bad version of it. You don't want to do anything too extreme. And uh, so maybe just wearing sunblock, uh Occasionally, or when you're going to spend, yeah, all day in the sun, or something like that. When I'm wearing my scoop neck T-shirts, exactly. I'm going to have to know your chest, your upper chest. I'm going to have to know. (laughs) Well, I'm interested to see how Derek's um, exercise works out as well. I mean, he's Derek's cruising on. He's got a a nice chestnut tan, and yeah, true. He always does look tan. He does. He's always real tan, and as far as I can tell, it's got no problems. So, well, this would be a perfect time. if to have a sunblock sponsor yeah, on the show, I know Come it on, would be guys, step up some bum. Um, we do have actually a couple of sponsors on today's show. Chaz. Fantastic. We have our, um, ongoing health IQ.com slash surf splendor providing. Oh, go ahead. Am I going to get less? Will they ding me now that I'm a cancer survivor for my health and in- my life insurance? That's a good question. All that I know is they incentivize you to live a healthy lifestyle. But it, so is my scoop neck t-shirt and no sunscreen and considered an unhealthy lifestyle? Hmm. It's not based. Yeah, that's a great question, but I think it's all based on like blood work and stuff like that. Oh, it's, okay. So I don't think that that would even factor in. Okay. But again, incentivizing people to uh, live a healthy lifestyle like 
car insurance companies give you discounts for being a good driver. HealthIQ.com slash SurfSplendor gives you discounts for uh, living a healthy lifestyle. Fantastic. So, dude, but also, brand new sponsor on today's show, Chaz. I'm really excited about this. What we, do you got there? We got a pair. I've got in my hand a pair of spy sunglasses with, I do believe, it is sure, the Happy Lens. It is. And I've always wanted to try out the Happy Lens. How do you know about the Happy Lens? Because I know spy. I know my sunglasses. Do you really? Of course. The Happy Lens apparently uh, blocks what or allows more good light in that make you happy theoretically right dude that's why i'm giving them to you yeah. you are you are one of the most cynical people i know I'm and dour. i would say even angry at times yeah i'm dour. and so i want you to wear the happy lens to try to boost serotonin production in your brain and therefore elevate your mood and spirit should chest. i wear my i'm opening them right now you can hear the crinkling i'm sure over the over the air, but should I wear them during the filming and see or recording and see if I'm happier as we as we go along? It, the problem is the happiness has to come from the sunlight, oh, and this is artificial light in it's here, fluorescent, so it won't do any good. Okay, what do you think of those things? Though? Oh, they're perfect, dude. They are yeah. perfect. Thank you. Those are so you. I was really in the market, honestly, when you emailed for a pair of aviators. I'd been looking around. They're sweet. Emailed me that spy was coming on, and I thought, well. Son of a bitch. This what, is perfect. What color scheme you got there? Uh, I got the rose gold and bronze happy lens with uh, a tortoiseshell ear piece thing. Yeah. Fantastic looking sunglasses. Thank you, Spy. Yeah, super cool. And you're talking about the happy lens. Um, I should give it its fair description, which is, you know, in like Seattle and places with low light, they do light therapy. Um, yeah, light therapy, I guess is what it's called where uh, because it's so dark all the time, people aren't getting adequate sunlight and they end up depressed. Yeah, You have higher suicide rates and stuff like that. So um, doctors started doing these light, uh, I think it's called seasonal mood affective disorder or something, treating that wow. with light therapy. And what they found is that there's certain long wave, I think it's long wave blue light that is beneficial for you. And then there's damaging shortwave blue light that actually harms your eyes. So Spy just basically developed a lens that lets in the good light and blocks out the bad light and calls it the happy lens. And in theory, that long wave blue light promotes serotonin production in the brain. And serotonin is, of course, what makes you or at least, uh, elevates your mood anyway. I'm going to, even though I have a arm that I can't use and am cancerous, I'm going to use these uh, spy sunglasses every day for this week and chart my happiness levels and see even even through these obstacles. Okay. I like that, it. See if I'm if I'm happier than I normally would have been. You know what we should also do? Tell me. With the spy sunglass sponsorship now, uh, we should nominate a grouchy person who would benefit from a happy lens Genius. every every episode. They're coming out of your comments section yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Genius. Yep. Done deal. And they should they should get a pair like the grouchiest one should get a pair of spy sunglasses. Right. I love it. Yeah. Well, um, we only owed Spy 60 seconds of talking, and I think we've over-delivered for them. But spyoptic.com is the website, and then promo code podcast. They're going to throw in uh, Surf Splendor sunglass bag. Fantastic. It's the first merch we've ever done. Like, I've never done T-shirts or anything. They they manufactured that for me. And then um, they're also giving away a free T-shirt and hat with your – or hat with your purchase, one or the other. So they're really stepping up to support us. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, You know who else we've seen a lot of support from? fan art oh i love it whoever whoever did the prodan thing yesterday is it's an honest to goodness i mean it's an art piece i've got one for you no yeah from the same artist same artist what in the world i know dude and this is uh his name is on instagram m m roca yeah e-m-r-o-c-a um 
But yeah, he just hit me up and he's like, dude, I've been listening to the show since day one. If I can help you out in any way, I would love to. And I was like, you know what I would love to do? You know that um, publication Indoic? Yes, of course. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It really is. Yeah. And they, I noticed, were doing these real simplistic illustrations yeah. of different people they were interviewing. There's one of me on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, I've always loved that they did that. And it's like branded as their own. When sure. I see one, I know it's them. And I just yep. mentally tie it to it. So I was like, I would love to do something like that for the show, but I have no direction for you. And so this is what he came up with for you. Oh, fantastic. So they're all kind of in the same style. Love it. But different yeah. color schemed. Um, uh, well, th- yeah. Yeah, so Thanks I'll to send him. that to you. That is great. So M. Roca, let me, he did another one. Check this. This one's kind of better, actually. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I like this one. Just in an angry bird. It's like a pink canary smoking a cigarette with that has me. a neck tattoo uh, of it's, you. It's perfect. I want this one too. Yeah, I'll send them both to you. Oh, so M. Roca, shout happy. out. So he did Dave Prodan's work. He's doing one for everybody kind of um, on the network that operates as a host and then also for show guests. So super rad. And that was completely just, um, yeah, just him as He's a generated. fan. So. Love it. Super cool. And then the other one was Jordan Rohr. Drew an illustration of you and Ashton fighting with me in the background, thinking of all the downloads we're going to get from that episode. That was a great, that was a great piece of art. So funny, yeah. dude. So that came through on Friday night and, uh, he sent it to me DM on Instagram and was like, check this out. I just got a brand new phone that has like a stylus thingy and like an art pad on it. And I've never drawn anything in my life, but this was the first scene that I thought of. And it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. And he captured, he captured the essence of that moment. I thought, well, he actually apologized for not accurately depicting your shoes. That's okay. Well, I had a baseball hat on too, which was pretty awesome. Really? I think it was, I think it was a pink backwards baseball cap. If you go back and look, Amazing. maybe it wasn't, maybe it was a hair colored baseball cap hilarious yeah it's real good yeah super funny um so all right let's get into the show dude we have have a lot of stuff let's talk surfing a lot of surf stuff i've got stuff queued up do you have anything that you want to lead with nope oh i do i actually do have something okay to lead with yeah uh let me uh go in here real quick so i'm making a movie right on lisa anderson that we talked about that Mm -hmm. here and I need some stuff from like you get art. I need some things too. Listeners, uh, listeners, contributions. Yeah, I'm really. Uh, there's gaps in the film that I need to fill in, and I'm looking for specifically this. Uh, if anybody out there has any Ormond Beach, Daytona Beach, uh, Florida surf scene, just random stuff from the '80s, like you were there in the '80s, you were filming. That would be totally awesome. Doesn't have to have Lisa in. No, 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 no. Just like B roll. Yeah, B roll setting the tone for, you know, Ormond Beach slash Daytona in the eighties. Uh anybody have anything from the OP Pro contest uh at Huntington in the you know, late eighties, early nineties, you know, either filming from the beach or filming surfers, whatever, whatever you got, need that. Um anything of Dave Parmenter at the peak of his career, preferably OP Pro stuff. Um I'm going to have you reach out today for me mm-hmm. too. Uh, anything with uh, Lisa winning the world title in 94. Anybody was there on the beach. It's really hard to get this stuff. It's weird. Where was that title settled? It was Narrabeen. Okay. So in Australia. Um, yeah. And then if anybody has any interesting music that... They want to donate. Yeah. They want to donate or think, oh, this would be cool. It's like in, you know, 80s vibe. So just throwing it out there. Use generated like art. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what will they get? They'll get credited in the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They'll promo. get credited. I mean, or, or, you know, I'm happy to pay for footage and all that kind of stuff. So and is it just legit. footage you're looking for? Or would you take photographs? Oh, yeah. Photographs, too. Cool. Yep. Awesome, dude. There you go. How's that film coming along? It's good. It's it's hard. It's hard, but it's, yeah. It's funny how surf is just such a mess. Like, there's licensing stuff is such a disaster. And so, it's hard in that way. But Lisa is, I mean, she's the best story, I think, of those years. Like, I love Lisa Anderson's story. Um, anyway, but then the way she documented her own life, like, the amount of video she took uh, is incredible, too. So, there's... Yeah, it's a real. It'll be a real intimate film, which is exactly the way it should be. Is but there? Yeah. Do you have any projection for the deadline or when yeah, we'll actually see it? I mean, the the film itself should be done by mid. Uh, hopefully, mid late this month will be finished. Finished, and then wow. I don't know though what the release schedule is. Wow, probably summer. Wow, so yeah, listeners, get that footage to Chaz. Uh, how do they get it to you? Um, just email. You can email me at Chaz, C-H-A-S, at beachgrit.com. Awesome. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. I'm excited. Really excited to see that. Um, among the big stories that have happened since you and I last chatted, Mick Fanning retired. He's gone. Well, he's going. Yeah. We've got two more events. <laughs> we've got Snapper and we've got Bells. And then he's gone. And yeah. you'd like to see him. Go. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, no? it made me. It made me kind of. It made me wistful. It made me realize that, like, I have lived through now multiple chapters of surf. It's yeah. It, you're right. That is weird because yeah. I remember him coming up. Yeah. And everybody's saying he's the next big thing. The cool, the coolie kid whole thing. I mean, yeah. that was yeah. Uh. Well, Mort in your comment section asked you to retell your story about Mick. You want to take time to recount that? I mean, are people just super tired of it? I feel they're tired of it. I, I thought that too initially. And then I realized you said your reply to him was like, oh, I haven't talked about it in years. And I realized we have a lot of new listeners since whenever it was you last talked about it, which probably was years ago. I, I, I try not to ever bring it up. Bring I mean, it up, dude. We got to. Really? I, mean, I okay. think so. Okay. So Mick yeah. Fanning had just won his world title in, uh, it was his first world title. Um, in at Pipeline North Shore, uh, I was there covering it for Stab, I think, or I can't remember who I was writing for. Maybe surfing. Oh no, it was, it was Stab. Stab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, had written before that McFanning was boring and dressed poorly and stuff like that. My my usual style. Um, but was invited to go to his uh, world title party at the uh, Rip Curl House or Bill Wong House or whichever house it was at. I'm assuming it was a Rip Curl House. So I show up and hanging out. Tim Baker, surf journalist, author, uh, was there. And I was chatting Tim up. And he was asking me why I wrote mean things about Mick. And I told him, that, I mean, I don't think they're mean. It's just my observations about the way he surfs and the way he dresses. So it just is what it is. And he's, he asked if I had ever met Mick. And I said, no. And Tim said, well, Mick is fantastic. You have to meet him. He's right over here. Let's go. So he wandered me over to Mick. Uh and Mick had kind of glassy eyes and looked up to, up at me and said, you know, are you Chaz Smith? Yep. And then he proceeded to call me a fucking Jew many times. <laughs> and then uh, security came and grabbed me and dragged me out of the house and I think wanted to beat me up, but threw me, threw me against a fence outside that opened outward and I skittered onto the street and that was that. Um, 
why did security come? Was he like going to beat you up or no. were you defending yourself? Or? No, I was laughing. I mean, there's awesomely, there's a picture of the incident. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Jeff Flint took the picture. Um, yeah, I, ju- I mean, I was, I was laughing, uh, and thought the whole thing, I mean, it was just so odd. And then when security came, I was like, what's this about? I'm not doing anything. Uh, and Mick apparently isn't, I mean, he's just call- calling me a fucking Jew, but aside from that, he's not doing anything. Uh, and yeah, so I was mad when security grabbed me. I was like, what is this? Why am I getting thrown out? I'm right. not, I'm not doing anything. Uh, I'm just standing here, but yeah, it was his, it was his victory party. So did he think you were Jewish? He did. He must, I don't know what he thought, to be honest. I think he was using it. I don't think, I mean, whether he thought I was Jewish or not, I think it was immaterial. He was using Jew clearly as a pejorative, as a pejorative yeah. slur. Uh, yeah. Which, and then, so that happened. And then I thought, well, you know, that, that was funny and strange and mentioned it to Derek and also mentioned it to, Bro- to Brody Carr, uh, who was the CEO, you know, in a funny kind of, uh, oh, guess what just happened kind of way. Brody laughed so hard that I thought, oh, then it must not be that bad, right? This is the CEO of the, of the ASP at that time who thinks this is really funny. And then I told Derek about it and Derek said, oh, you have to write about it. I wasn't planning on writing about it, but I thought, oh, okay, if Brody thinks it's funny, and Derek says, I have to write it, then sure. Like it's, you know, something that happened. I don't like to pull a punch and yeah, so wrote it up. And then it became a big, huge problem in Australia. Yeah. And that actually is kind of the story is that it yeah. became a huge problem and Rip Curl pulled advertising from Stab yeah, because the, of it yeah, eventually. But the, the, I mean, I think Stab had to... The magazine had already been on shelves for a while. Uh, it was never on. The story was never online or anything. Right. Um, but yeah, I think Stab ended up pulling the remaining mags off shelves, and the the like Jewish Defense League in Australia got involved, and Mick, you know, went on a cry tour. That was the only thing that made me mad. That like that I he mean, apologized. Not that he apologized. That he the way he did it, the way he spun it was so asinine. He had the absolute worst advice. He should have either said nothing at all, yeah, or just said I'm sorry, I was drunk and whatever, yeah. uh, and I'll, I'll never talk like that again. But he like his his thing. That's why I thought, okay, this is I'm gonna keep poking this for a while because uh, it was. Um, his whole thing was that he was trying to speak in stabs uh, or the author. I knew the author used this kind of language. So I was trying to speak in the ironic tone that he's accustomed to, uh, whatever. Like it was whoever gave him that PR advice should have been fired on the spot, but he played through on that. Right. And like, and then I became the bad guy, which I'm fine being the bad guy. But the whole time I was like, well, I didn't do anything. All I did was get called a fucking Jew and then write about it. And then, I'm the one who's like trying to wreck Mick's career, like, which to me, yeah, again, the the incident itself was whatever, but it was the way the spin that he right. tried to put on it of talking in the ironic language. It's like, well, that's like the most bullshit thing you could ever say. It's it's a really interesting case study of how serious surfing takes itself, and like the fact that Tim Baker and or Mick were even bothered that you said his surfing was redundant and boring. In hindsight, when I look at that, I go, oh, you're the one person who wrote something interesting about Mick Fanning that year. Everything else is just glowing reviews yeah. of the same thing over and over again. And so I, I feel like they need to be able to step back from their own emotional response and recognize, oh, criticism has value. Yeah. Or, and, yeah. And, and provides entertainment and gets people enraged, which yeah. is also a good thing, you know? And the whole thing was real funny. And, and like, I guess for me now, I mean, what? That was probably 10 years ago, right? 
Yeah. Or close to, uh, is, you know, I have dear friends who love McFanning more than anything else. And, and from all account, he seems like a wonderful stand-up guy. Um, but yeah. Well, yes, exactly. But you're a writer and yeah. you want to come up with something interesting to say and critical to say. And it's like all the, we've leveled a lot of criticism on a lot of people on this show. I don't dislike any of them. Most of them I actually really like a lot, you yeah. know, but here's one little area where you can um, do things differently and better and more. Yeah. Whatever. You know, it's like, it's not hatred. No, I'm committing my life to writing about you because I actually really like you yeah. or believe it. You know, um, let me dig in a little further though. Part of what spun out of that story was Zach Weisberg. Yeah. Started the inertia. <laughs> yeah. He started the inertia because of your incident with Mick Fanning. How amazing You're is that? You're responsible for the inertia. It's, yeah, that's, a burden, that's a burden that I carry with my cancer every day. Have you thought about that? Yeah. Oh, I thought okay. about it. Yeah. It's awful. Okay. It's an awful, it's funny. The, the inertia, we haven't talked about the inertia a lot on this show in a while. Focus most of your vitriol at stab. On stab. Yeah. Cause the inertia I've realized lately, uh, is just, it's not a surf website. Mm -mm. It's, it's like, it's something when I see inertia articles now, they don't even get my blood boiling anymore. Like I can't even write about it on beach just because it's not, it's not surfing. The inertia is like outdoor lifestyle. Um, that happens to include, uh, something that looks like surfing sometimes, but it's, yeah, it's, it is so outside the realm of anything else that, yeah. Okay. It's just like outside magazine. Well, you're responsible for it. I know. Son of a bitch. I really don't like it still. Um, it's ugly. It's an ugly, <laughs> ugly thing. Uh, well, Fanning on his retirement post on Instagram left a long list of thank yous. But was he, I on there? No, you were not on there. You know who else wasn't on there was his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah. Is that Beryl or Oops. not? Leaving out your ex-wife on a thank you list. Well, I'm of the mind that... Uh, if you, oh, do they have kids? He and his ex-wife? I don't know. I don't think so. So, uh, if they don't have kids, then I say the relationship that ends badly is the only way to go. Like if you're going to get divorced, you should never talk to that person again. If it gets to that level, you shouldn't be friends. You should just, it should be totally scorched earth. So I'm total barrel. If no kids, if you have kids, then it's a completely different dynamic where you're forced by the laws of goodness and goodwill to be to have a relationship where your kid can you know not be scarred well um the reason i ask is like a listener actually tagged me in it and they're like hey you notice he didn't mention his ex-wife and i'm like who cares about that but then i actually thought about it and i'm like i have an ex as well yeah and are you friendly with your ex i am and when i reflect on it and we don't have kids but like when i reflect on that relationship like super traumatizing going through divorce all that but it enriched my life. And like, I'm a better person now having gone through, um, the trauma and the loss and all that sort of stuff. I'm a better partner for my next partner, my current partner. And it enriched my life traumatic at the time, but it enriched my life. And then I almost felt a gratitude for my ex. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I feel, I feel a certain amount of gratitude for my ex too, but mostly the fact that I can say that I hate her and stuff in books. I was going to say you owe her a thanks because yeah. she was part of your first chapter sure in your was. first book. Yeah. I hate my ex-wife. Yeah. Was the, was the line, right? Or was something. Like it was that. pretty detailed. I, yeah. I mean, that was probably a line, but I remember <laughs> paragraphs about your hatred. <laughs> um, welcome to paradise. Now go to hell, by the way, for anybody who hasn't read it. Um, 
So you owe her thanks. You can yeah. hate her and thank her. Well, hundred percent. No, I like her as part of my life story is fantastic. But I have I haven't I have not spoken one word to her since the divorce. So over ten years ago. Are you a better husband now because of that? For relation? sure. Right. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Yep. Yeah. No. I I owe a a huge debt of gratitude. Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of weird to say, man. My hated um, ex-wife. Hatred is okay too. Yeah, no, I love it. Makes you me know happy. What I mean? Yeah. Um, no, that's what I mean. That's why I'm all about. If your relationship gets to the point, and if you're friendly, that's totally great. But for me, I'm not friendly with any of my exes. Um, well, I guess I am with with one kind of. But uh, yeah, mostly, if a relationship is bad enough to end, then it just should be burned to the ground. I think I've always been of that mind. Yeah, we come from diff- a different mindset. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was kind of like you talking about uh the inertia where i realized it was like oh this crazy person this has nothing to do with me yeah like this crazy person spinning out of control i actually feel sympathy for and, oh. I, and it not initially of course to your i mean did who who not to get too personal yeah, yeah. but who uh who was the reason the cause of the divorce the she impetus was. she was she spun out of control yeah okay and instigated it and all okay. that and okay. it was kind of a blind side for me. Okay. And at the time, of course, I was like, no, 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 let's sort it out. Let's do therapy, all that sort of stuff. And she's just like, nope, not interested. Yeah. Like, and of course, so I went through all of the emotions, anger, pain, all that sort of stuff. But kind of with time and processing, I was feeling, like I said, how you feel about the inertia where it's just like, oh, I've always been happy and I've always had the toolbox to navigate life and these types of issues. This has actually made me a more sympathetic, more capable person, and she is crazy. Has she, has she, she, has she gone on to, to live a rich life? No. <laughs> no, she's always been unhappy, and, you know, so it's kind of like she's still living that, and I'm still happy, and so I, I'm able to remove myself and just go, this has nothing to do with me. Okay. I'm going to have to change my position on the inertia then. If I'm, a, if I'm happily divorced from the inertia... I've got to go back to hating the inertia actively every day because I don't mm-hmm. want to be, I don't want to have an okay, really. I don't want to have you and your ex-wife's relationship. I don't want to feel gratitude for it. Yeah. But here's, here's the thing. If I were to spend time with her and like, I don't know, whatever, any time with her at all, then that would be me putting too much energy into this. Sure. Thing. It's okay to let her spin out on her own and I don't need to even devote any attention to it. You devoting attention to it, okay. I'm concerned, is actually to your own detriment. Okay. It would be to my own detriment if I got together with her and then she complained about her current relationship and I'm just like giving her advice or something. <laughs> that would be a nightmare. You know what I mean? So you doing that for the inertia okay. is okay. inadvisable. I, I hear you. Unadvisable. Great. Great. Okay. Whew, therapy session. Yeah, that's fantastic. This room is like a therapy office. It's the quiet room. <laughs> it is the that's quiet why we, That's why we sign waivers. Um, I feel like the happy lenses are already working on you. I mean, they're going to be, I think. I feel that this is the week. That this is the week. It's yeah. the week that I need it. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, um, moving on from Mick, that was a really interesting um, <laughs> post-mortem we just did on Mick's career. Yeah, with leading we to need to. His, but, but again, yeah, but, but back to that, it is definitely barrel to leave his ex-wife out okay. uh, if there's no kids, I think. Like if he blots her from his life, good on him. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I, w- I want to take a moment to just say I'm a huge Mick Fanning fan. Mm. Love his surfing to this day. Like, love his surfing. Do you like his hunchback? It doesn't bother me at all. It's all. It's really hunchy. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Like, because it just looks like he's going real fast, and he's going so fast that it's bending his spine over. I mean, as you say it, I can envision exactly sure. what you're talking about. I've never thought about it until you just said it. But now that you're thinking about it. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. You think, think it's an attractive quality in a surfer? I wouldn't design it into a surfer, but for him, it's a net gain. Mm. It's kind of like all the other amazing things he's doing, I don't even see that part of it, you know? Okay. Um, whereas like Adriana Souza, I can't not see the kind of Bronco stance, you know? Okay. Um, at any rate. Phenomenal career. Phenomenal career, three-time world, world champ, champion. so huge fan. Anyway. Moving on, violence in the lineup. Ooh, lots of it. Yeah, and you're responsible for this as Ooh, well, dude. You're I know. copping a lot of blame. I know, it's show. totally true. This is my fault. This is der- the violence wasn't my fault. The reaction, I feel, was my fault. What to happened? The violence. What happened? So apparently in Florida, uh, two young men, well, they're both young men, right? Or was one significantly older than the other? I don't know. I thought they were both pretty young. And yeah. Was it Florida or was it Virginia Beach? Uh, my, oh, Virginia Beach. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. Virginia. Okay. Um, in Virginia... There's a, a small little wave apparently there, a little wedge looked like, breaking off a jetty, I want to say. Um, and there was a guy riding a standard shortboard and a guy riding a longboard. Uh, was the wave, real quick, before we go further, was the wave a left or a right? Oh, good question. Um, it looked like a right to me. It looked like a right to me too. Yeah. The surfer on the regular board, the good board, went right. The longboarder went left. They crossed up, uh, and this was ca- captured on a, one of those surfline cams. Uh, they crossed up. Um, the surfer on the shortboard appeared to just dive off, uh, kind of exaggeratedly, but not at the longboarder, just into the water. The longboarder cruised along for a minute more, and then I think he fell off himself. Anyhow, the longboarder went in uh, and pressed, like our dear Ashen Goggins, except he didn't wait two weeks. He went in that day and pressed assault charges, against the short border, uh, and the police came and actually arrested the short border at work at work and carried yeah. him off to, he's a, ta- was a tattoo artist or is a tattoo artist. Uh, he was in the middle of a tattoo, I guess, and, and hauled him off to jail. Uh, and on the, on the footage, I guess the, the long border said that both of, both of these 
articles around Beach Grip, by the way, there is Derek called them both, uh, had an interview with the tattoo artist, short border who went to jail. Alex Burnett. Alex Burnett. And also had an interview with the Jordan Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery, who was the long border filing charges. Right. So, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. You feel responsible because I feel responsible because I feel like I made uh, assault look so lame that it made Ashton's response of going to the police look like the better thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I feel responsible that it made it made going to the police for the slightest physical contact uh, like an, an all right option. Right. The better option. It, in the video, it doesn't even look like there was contact made. No. But apparently there was, or I, so says Jordan Montgomery. I mean, Jordan Montgomery says that he he leapt for him and leapt for his neck or something like that, yeah. much, much like I was... I was said to have done to dear Ashton. Uh, but yeah, on the video, it doesn't appear that at all. It doesn't appear he touches him. Doesn't it look like he did at all. And then even if, even if he did, there's zero damage that could have been done from that. No, if there was a touching, it was a grazing. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's the most egregious misuse of police resources ever. The Jordan Montgomery thing. You think it's more egregious than the Ashton Goggins? Yes. How, How so? I don't think there was contact made. Oh, <laughs> you okay. know? Yeah. Um, and so that, that's the first and foremost thing. The second thing that I thought was really funny was in Derek's interview with Jordan, Jordan made an attempt to justify it with, this has been an ongoing problem. This guy, Alex is an a-hole. He's shouting at everybody in the lineup saying, if anybody takes off on a wave, I'm going to punch him in the face. And then after the fact, I felt threatened because people on social media who saw the video were saying that they're going to kick my ass. What did? What was the exact quote? I can't remember. Oh, it was, it so was about swell my eye shut. Swell my eye shut. But then there was one about longboarding, like no bitch ass longboarders better go left again or something like that, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so that was Jordan's rationale for then filing the police report, which to me, I just also thought was like the biggest the lamest rationale you could possibly. I mean, come I just up with. again, like Jordan and like Ashton too. I don't know what you think the end game is going to be when you do that. Like, right. I don't know what you think you're going to get out of it. I mean, again, do you think the other guy's going to go to jail and learn a lesson and be contrite, and then everybody's going to, you know, think, oh, that guy was in the wrong? Actually, like, don't in every case where <laughs> there's little to no contact, don't you just look like a total sissy if you go to the police. Yeah, absolutely. And, and isn't that, won't that haunt you way longer than anything else? Or maybe it doesn't. Though. It, 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 I think it deep down does. And I'm not worried about looking like a sissy. I'm worried about knowing that you are a sissy. Like, dude, there confrontations happen in life. Be able to communicate your way through it. Worst comes to worst, be able to take a punch to the head or throw a punch or whatever. And like, that should never happen. You should always be able to kind of navigate your way through it, communicate your way through it. But this, you did not do that at all. Like you should be able to take some of that online heat without crippling and feeling like your life is at danger because somebody on social media. Is this a millennial thing? I mean, is this a generational thing? You think so? You think, you think that the younger, the younger kids, the, the Ashton's and Jordan Montgomery's, uh, feel like existentially threatened to the point where, 
police protection is the only thing. Like, is is the world is the world different to them than it is to yes. older people? I do think it's, so. it's just a scarier place. Things are spinning out of control. They are that out of control of their own world that it, they perceive everything as a threat. And, and they haven't scraped their knee once, so they don't know what that feels like. And they're afraid of the pain. Everybody says it's going to hurt. They're you know, and so they never want to do that. It's really, I mean, it's, it's a baffling response to me, but if this, you know, I mean, the fact that it happened twice, I guess, and in a basically one month period makes me wonder if this is, if this is a thing that's happening more broadly, like are are people going to the police more often for like completely, you know, non serious things? Yeah. I saw an Instagram meme where a guy called the police to get a ride to Hooters (laughs) because he was too drunk. Or I think he was actually high. I think he was on like psychedelics that's and he needed a ride to Hooters and he ended up calling 911. Oh, that's amazing. Just like, hey man, I can't drive right now. Can you guys give me a ride? That is great. Um, so I actually went on a surf trip with Jordan Montgomery. Really? Yeah. When? Like five years ago. That is, this is amazing. Panama. This is amazing. Why, were you uh, buddies with him? No, it was an organized by somebody else and I was coming along to film okay. the trip. Um. He Tell. Went, he, I know, dude. I'm actually, I was apprehensive to even mention it to you. This is fantastic. This is a fantastic third act to this two-act play. Let's just say he was the youngest guy on the trip. Mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised that the next time that I hear of Jordan Montgomery is him filing a police report about somebody bullying him. Was he, um, he, he rode for Hurley, right? He rode for Hurley at the time. He was, um, I think, 15 at the time. Yeah. And... Uh, the trip culminated with him really missing his mom Okay, and having a very heartfelt phone call with her, like begging to come home. Okay. You know, okay. And he was a 15 year old kid sure. at the time. So that's understandable. Sure. But I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm glad nobody, none of the other 18 year old kids on this trip. I'm glad they can't hear this call yeah. because they would definitely be making fun of him. And he was already kind of out of place throughout the trip. Um, but I remember feeling at the time like he wasn't really fortified for life well, as a 15 year old. That's the thing. Reading, reading Derek's interview with Jordan, like made me really reticent to go make fun anymore. Uh, because he, he doesn't seem like a bad guy yeah, at no. all. Like he seems like a, a genuine softy and a sweetheart. And you know, he clearly should not have gone to the place. Or in my opinion, he shouldn't have gone to the place. Shouldn't have screwed around with another man's livelihood and all that kind of stuff is, is a, is an you know unfortunate blow right there yeah um but also he seems yeah i mean i don't want to yeah jordan montgomery seems like a, a good enough kid and if he can learn from this like hey you know you don't have to get licked in the head but you know i don't know like yeah just don't go to the police for stuff that you don't need to go to the police for develop you're like the real deal is if you want to succeed in life you're going to have to develop a thicker skin than this yeah if you feel like your life's in danger because things somebody said on social media then you're not going to be able to get a job you're not going to be able to survive being fired from a job you're not going to be able to survive being divorced you know or whatever like all these things that life comes you're going to get crippled by life so yeah Develop a thicker skin. Jordan. That's the lesson. But here's the thing. Societally, when we look at it from, I think that this is why the UFC is thriving right now, is things, there's always a counter movement. For every 10 Jordans that come up, 
there's then one guy who gets a ton of tattoos, hits the gym, and then beats people up for a living. You yeah. know? And that guy isn't actually a violent guy necessarily. He could actually be just really into this martial arts. You know, He's not beating people up at the bar. But I think that there is kind of, you know, you go through um, for every like, I don't know, Rihanna that comes along singing about sex, then there comes Taylor Swift singing about falling in love with her boyfriend or yeah. something, you know? Yeah. So action reaction. Totally. Um, I did want to use this though, to also talk about what went down in at Kira during that giant swell. There's a bunch of dudes getting whipped into waves, which yeah. Right. Like yeah. on the jet ski. Yep. Yeah. Um, and there was one particular incident where Taj got whipped into a wave and then I saw somebody paddle and burn him. And so I was talking to Scott Bass about it on the show Spit. And I was like, dude, what's the protocol? Like, obviously, having skis in a crowded lineup is illegal, firstly. Is it illegal? It is, yeah. In Australia? Yeah. Okay. I looked it up, the rules. Um, I don't have it in these show notes. But it was like, if you're within six, I forget, or maybe 60 meters of a person, you have to go six miles an hour okay. or something like okay. that um within a certain distance you have to go a certain speed and they're going full throttle yeah. you know to whip people so anyway i was like what's the protocol if there's skis in the lineup clearly breaking the law and also just breaking the etiquette of the lineup and somebody gets whipped into a wave from a deep position can you drop can in you burn them yeah you should be able to and i made the i made the comment that i think taj understands that and knows when he got burned on the wave on the video he probably was like eh it is what it is i deserved it or it was you know well, I got an email on the rumor account from a listener. And uh, by the way, that rumor account, surfsplendorpodcast.com slash contact. There's an email form that you could fill out without leaving your return email address. So you can send us rumors and you will not, you will remain anonymous. This person sent the email and he goes, Taj didn't mind he was being dropped in on at Kira. The guy who dropped in on him was Hippo. Okay. Ryan yep. Hipwood. Yep. And he goes, Hippo's the largest jet ski offender out there. And I don't know that Taj would or wouldn't care if he was dropped in by anyone else. But being burned by Hippo is just they're birds of the same feather. So if you, if you look through the archives, you'll find some discussion around why, however, you wouldn't want to drop in on Hippo, Parco, or Dingo as there's a good chance you'll get punched in the head. Yeah. Even if those guys get towed in and whipped into a wave, if you burn them, you'll definitely get punched in the head. So I thought it's an interesting thing. Those guys are uh, the Kings out there and they just have the quote, right to punch you in the head, I guess. Which is what I love about surfing though. Right. Let's be honest. I mean, the fact that surfing is still futile in so many ways uh, out in the lineup that there is these weird hierarchies that, you don't necessarily, you wouldn't know at all by looking at it, right? Like you rock up as a, a novice to the beach at Snapper, Kira, Pipeline, you know, where, wherever there there's this like genuine severe pecking order. And looking out in the lineup as a novice, you would have no idea no. what's what the social dynamic is out there. But the fact that a, you know, uh, that these social dynamics exist in the water, I, it's what I love about surfing. Like that fairness... And all this stuff is out the window. Like it's just, and it's not just dog eat dog, but there's, yeah. There's order among the chaos. There's order among the chaos. It's not dog eat dog. It, if you are trying to be an alpha, then it is dog eat dog and you need to prove your worth. Sure. Totally. But if you, if you want to, and if you surf good enough and yeah. feel strong about your fighting skills, 
then go take that position. Go drop in on Parco or Dingo or Hippo or any one of them. Yeah. Any one of the O's and uh, and go to the beach and do it again and again and again and earn that spot. I remember hearing stories of Chris Ward, which was that. It was like show up at off the wall or back door back when he was 16, took off on some Hawaiians, got punched in the head, paddled back out, and then waited his turn and got a sick barrel yeah. on his own. But it was kind of like, all right, I pushed the limits. You showed me where the limit was. Now I'll go out. I'll wait my turn, but I'm still going to get a sick keg. Yeah. And that'll earn your respect. Yep. And there's a, yeah, you're right. There's like an absolute element of um, respect there. And by the way, this is how all of societies develop. This is a microcosm of the hunter gatherer thing. It's just how it works. It's how it works. Yeah. Uh, do you think that all the, like the, some of the stuff I read was that the rip, when the swell gets that big, Akira, the rip is, is not impossible because people are obviously paddling, but it's just really difficult to fight the rip. Um, do you think that skis when rip is an issue are acceptable or do you think if anybody's paddling, no ski? I think they are acceptable but it needs to sort itself out through the process that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I think it, it kind of has, you know, mm-hmm. where there's not 50 skis out there. Yeah. How many there, skis, how many skis you reckon are out there? Three. Yeah. And it's Todd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the guys who make a million dollars a year off surfing or more. And not that their income has anything to do with it, but they earned their way through the pecking order yep. to that position. I always take the stance. I'm sure not everybody agrees with this stance. I always take the stance where it's like, dude, I'm a huge fan of surfing. And if I'm out in that lineup and Taj is getting whipped into a wave, I'm down to watch it. Yeah. And if that means I get fewer waves, that's okay too. Yeah. Because this is a rare spectacle for me to witness. And I hope that I get a scrap, but this is awesome. Yeah. This is so awesome. What what I don't like is when surfers really cry for outside regulation of stuff like that, like ban, ban skis at a, at a municipal level or whatever, where, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, sh- things should be able to work out in the lineup, I think. And if enough people are angry about it, then again, those people can form a group and you could keep skis out yourself if you want. I mean, it if, always does. Yeah. It always regresses back to a mean, yeah. you know, like somebody goes out there and tries something wild, shows up on a foil somewhere where there's a crowded lineup Everybody gets together and kicks them out. Who was it that dumped, which uh, shaper was it that dumped the ski? Uh, yeah, Darren Hanley. Darren Hanley, yeah. How good was that, It was dude? a great clip. See, that clip alone, for me, for my money, made it worth having me skis t- out there that day. Me that too, because you and I enjoyable. were nowhere around. Yeah. That's why. But I, I have a feeling, just like we're saying, where things regress, Darren Hanley probably didn't go right back out on the ski and try again. He probably took his beating and thought, oh, crap, maybe I better get some more practice. What what happened there, you think? Do you know? Uh, well, just watching the footage, yeah. first of all, Corey Wilson, the photographer, was on the back of the ski. Okay. I don't know if you saw that. I, I knew. I saw the photographer. I didn't know it was Corey. Yeah. So just from looking at it, Darren tried, he whipped somebody in and stayed in the wave too long. He tried to kind of pull out the wave and realized it was like breaking too too much. So he like scooted back down, throttled it to try to get out ahead of it. And the wave was just going too fast. He couldn't get out of that kind of barreling kind of crest of the wave and ended up just face indoing in the trough. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, a fantastic clip. So good. (laughs) But from everybody who was there, they were like there. It's shocking that nobody died or, or got hurt in that exchange. Which though I'll say 
I have the same feeling nine times out of 10 that there's any big swell anywhere, really. Like yeah. when it's big at pipe and there's a hundred guys out there scrambling, it's a, always a shocker to me that two or three of them don't end up either massively concussed or broken legs or whatever. The fact that that ca- the chaos of surfing and it's dangerous. I mean, all these things are dangerous, totally. right? Skis in the water, giant reef heads right underneath the water, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and the fact that people aren't dying every day is almost a small miracle. I feel the exact same way. Did I think about that with Clark Little shooting shore break mm-hmm. photography? When you see the stuff he's shooting, I'm like, I've played in five foot shore break and felt like I, my life was at risk and yeah. like I was going to get a spinal injury. He's doing it in 15 foot shore break. And he is skilled enough. And he's been doing it long enough. And he used to surf YMA in the 90s. So maybe he can get away with it. But then the camera will pan back and there's like 15 randos who are just, just learning how to just do it. Just trying to do it. And yeah. I'm like, how do they not end up with broken necks? Yeah. It's crazy. What do, you, what do you feel real quick as, as a segue about shore break photography? Clark Littles specifically has made the shore break photography his entire genre, more yeah. or less. Do you do you look at the shore, his shore break pictures or any shore break pictures and think amazing? Or do you think... I look at his and I absolutely think amazing. Mm-hmm. Robbie Crawford is somebody who's come out of Southern California that I've, I follow and I do like his stuff as well. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think it's amazing. It's amazing to me that Clark Little genuinely spawned a whole genre of, of photography. Yeah. I mean, the shore break photo now is a thing because of Clark Little. I, like I see people down at small days in Cardiff rolling around trying to get a shore break picture. Right. Yeah. No. And the reality is small days at Cardiff. What's amazing about Clark's is the color and um, the lighting, and then also just the shapes, the forms that a wave takes. To, and Cardiff to me, doesn't do that. No, no, no. And I, I mean, I love when Clark, when there's a body surfer or a body boarder in his shots, like yeah. right above the dry sand. It's it, yeah. The energy of those shots is always pretty great. Energy and also it's things that I have never seen before in a wave. Yeah. And it's like in the heart of it. Oh my god, this is fascinating because I've never seen it, and. I interviewed him on the podcast a month or two ago. He was saying the only reason he got into it was his wife bought a photograph to hang on their wall at home of a wave. And she came out, she had like spent money on it and she came home with it. And he's like, what are you doing? I could, I could just get a camera and go get a better photo than that. And that spawned the whole thing. That is amazing. Yeah. That makes me, that's a good story. It is. Um, well, that's your pipeline thing is a perfect segue. I had an email debate with Ross and NYC about pipeline. Mm. Remember we were talking about it being removed from the 2019 schedule. And I was kind of making the argument that like, eh, who cares? Yeah, yeah. We'll move on. And like, nobody will really. And you were like, no, no, no. Pipe yeah. is a thing. Pipe's like it's important. Thing. Right. So Ross and NYC called it the pipeline effect. And he goes, I think dropping pipe could have a much bigger impact than you think. Without the grand finale, the entire spectacle loses its luster. When you're watching Snapper, J-Bay, Chopes, you're watching to see which guys are coming up and ultimately who is going to bring those skills to pipeline. It is the Super Bowl of our sport. Pipeline multiplies the interest in every event and it makes the tour greater than the sum of its parts. The viewer is always hoping for a handful um, of surfers who will bubble up to the top and then be able to showcase that at the ultimate showdown at the ultimate location. Thinking that you can replace pipeline with any other event shows a fundamental misunderstanding of the realities of the globe and the sport. G land is not the same. Puerto is not the same. There is only one. I agree. So I replied and I was like, look, 
clearly pipe is ideal. I don't disagree with any of that stuff, but it just seems unsustainable from a business standpoint. So the North Shore and City Hall have all but forced the WSL out of pipeline. And the WSL is a corporation whose sole goal is profit. So there's people within the organization like Dave Prodan who actually surf. And I think that they're concerned about shaping the competitive sport in, quote, the right way. But even they are still working for the corporation who, again, has one goal, profit. And Pipeline is certainly ideal for the WSL and spectators alike. But if the grand finale becomes something else, I don't think that they'll lose viewership at all. I think they'll, they may lay, they may lose core fans, quote core fans, but with this Facebook deal on their side and other strategies, I think they'll only increase viewership and the corporation will ultimately survive that, of course, under the assumption that the larger audience brings profit. I mean, I agree as a, as a business thing, I don't think losing pipe will affect the right. WSL much, uh, but I think, uh, I think was it from New York? Ross. Ross. I think Ross from New York is exactly right that uh, you really cut the heart out of it and you'll have a new fan coming on. But again, I would argue that the business at the very end of the WSL now is wave pools, right? Like this is, this is their real moneymaker. And the tour in my estimation is going to end up being a loss leader for selling wave pools. So you have this tour on, you know, around the world and it's, fabulous and looks beautiful and everything, which is not really designed to make money. Uh, the thing that's designed to make money is selling the wave pool to Dubai. So you can be part of this, you know, fabulous whole thing. Um, not necessarily as a stop on tour, but just like, Hey, see this beautiful thing. You can have this thing too. So I think, I think, yeah, losing pipe, uh, guts, I think totally guts surfing, but I think that's that's not the business they're in anymore anyways. Like they're moving away from exactly. just a tour to a wave pool selling business. We're all coming to that conclusion, I think. It's been a slow realization. Yep. We want them to be About our voice surf. for yeah. us, but it's kind of like that's proven to be unsustainable. No, and they're and yeah, and so I I would wonder if I mean, so a sneaker thing. I gotta, I got to call my old pal Eddie Rothman today because Dave snuck it in your podcast with him, Dave Prodan, that Dehui didn't get their license also. Is that true? That's what I, Dave said. I find that a little hard to believe. Yeah. I'm going to call and fact check with old Ed. You know what I'd be interested to find out is if that is true, if Eddie, let's say the North Shore contingent, can wrangle it back. For sure. I mean, if, if, <laughs> but they, if, if they do, then that indicates that City Hall does make special accommodation for some interest groups. I mean, but if, if Dehui lost theirs and... Pipeline didn't lose. I mean, the WSL didn't lose theirs. They pipeline or WSL just wanted pipeline in January, not December. They still have their December uh, license. They're just not using it. Correct. In Which, theory. Yeah. In and theory. I asked, I asked Dave that too. I was like, why doesn't the WSL, if they can't make the accommodation of the date change, why doesn't the WSL just keep it in December? And he goes, well, that doesn't fit with our 2019 schedule. Yeah. But I mean, the, but the and fact, I'm like, what's the 2019 schedule? Oh, I can't talk about that. Well, yet. The, which, and to me, again, this is where there's a huge, it's a huge mistake on the WSL part, not leading to loss in revenue or anything, but just from a, from a core surf perspective, if you can't juggle the rest of your events to fit pipeline in, then, then what the hell are you doing? I mean, if pipeline is not worth, oh, we can't, we can't do pipeline in December because we've got, you know, Indonesia or we've got whatever you put in that slot because we have blank in December pipeline's better. I mean, it may not be better for 
that for December, but you got to juggle your tour to accommodate pipeline. You would think, but yeah. because they aren't, what's not being said here is they pipeline uh, the North Shore or City Hall is making unreasonable demands. I don't think so. You don't uh, think so? No. Then, what, then why wouldn't they juggle the schedule to accommodate it? I mean, I think that uh, I'm sure that City Hall, like most City Halls probably in most politics, is a mess. Like, I don't think that they're being honorable or reasonable. Um, but I think when you're the WSL and you got to work with something that's not ideal, then you figure out how to keep pipeline. You, you don't jettison pipeline. The fact they're jettisoning pipeline, again, points to, for me, the broader strategy where the WSL now is a pool selling business. Right. Uh, and the tour exists to sell pools. I agree. And I think the executive team at the WSL, they come in and they go, our main product is these events. Is it, and these events, like you said, are a lost leader. Yeah. They never had a, an alternative revenue model. That was the original revenue model was these events. Well, now they're like, we're losing money on these events. And some of these events are making ridiculous claims, uh, requests of us. And this doesn't make sense. Yeah. We need to be in control of these things. We need to be able to... We need to sell pools. We need to sell pools, sell people. Pools. Yeah. yeah. Sell pools. We can own the pool, yeah. do the event there, not be beholden to any special interests or I mean, did unreasonable you, demands. So uh, in one of the Melbourne papers, there's a new, The Cove, I think, which is a wave garden technology, is going in by the Melbourne airport. And I think it's a $28 million um, build. build uh, or that, or that's how much they've raised, which oh. I, I reckon uh, you could do easy that on Kelly's pools, right? When you building, I mean... The wave garden is a, is a totally different technology anyway, but like if that's what they're looking at is a bunch of you know fifty million dollar developments around the world, then all of a sudden that's a that's a robust business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ross in NYC, by the way, Ross, um, I forget if he's a writer or a teacher of English, but he goes by Thesaurus. Mm, nice. It's <laughs> a good handle. <laughs> uh, but he wanted to be credited as Ross in NYC. Um, he, clo- he responded to my last reply that I read to you. He responded by saying, quote, Facebook will only expose what we already know. Casual fans don't like watching surfing, especially without pipe. The WSL on Facebook is the crystal clear Pepsi of ideas. Remember, mm, remember that? Totally. But, but <laughs> it was from my childhood. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Crystal clear Pepsi. Yeah. Or Pepsi clear, I think is what it was actually called. That's, yeah, yeah, it was Pepsi clear. So he goes, um, why do you think Facebook agreed to sign on? Because they're hemorrhaging uh, brand equity among younger audiences. Facebook thinks the WSL will make it cool, but it won't. Facebook's lameness will destroy the WSL. Promoting surfing among baby and puppy posts is a bad idea for the WSL branding. It's like watching a surf video with a Coldplay soundtrack. It just doesn't work. See, I would like to agree. I, I love Ross's passion here, Ross from New York. Uh, the Soros. Yeah, the Soros, but I totally disagree on the in terms of, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Facebook at all either. Uh, but they ain't stupid. And they know, yeah. they look at the WSL's numbers and I, they full well know, they're not hoping to get some, oh, the kids watch surfing. No, they know exactly the demographics. They know that, what, what would you say? The average age of a surf fan, I would say, is 38 years old, right? A sure. 38-year-old male. Um, the Facebook knows this. It's not like they're going after some 
theoretical market. I think that Facebook wants to be in the business of, of live sports broadcasting full stop. Um, so it I doesn't agree. necessarily matter what they're getting. This is, you know, they want to be in the business of live sports broadcasting. So this is, uh, you know, as they try to go out and get NBA deals and NFL deals and, you know, major league baseball deals, this is something that they can own entirely for two years. They can try out a bunch of different stuff on it. I think they can, you know, whatever. And, and the thing is, I'm sure numbers, uh, will go up because it'll, uh, for viewership because it, if Facebook gets behind it, right, which assuming, they have a financial investment in it now, and so we'll get behind it. So they will pump WSL content into people's feeds, whether or not the people are actively engaged with it or not, uh, should be material, but will be immaterial at the end because the WSL will just use them as, see, this is the global surf audience. Completely agree. And I think there's a lot of things that Facebook will do that will actually satisfy your and my goals too. Oh, sure. Like being able to, being able to comment during, yes. during an event. Dude, I have constant text message threads. I'm chiming in on Twitter sometimes. DMs all happening during an event. Yeah. And um, there's not one home to maintain those conversations. Even the commentators in the booth will post an Instagram when they're not in the booth. And then we're commenting on something that happened when they posted it two or three heats ago going, hey, I think Jadson should have won that heat or whatever. Yep. Like all of this should be taking place Real on- time real time on one platform on a shareable platform that I can then tag another buddy who's not watching it in. So then it pops up in his feed and he gets a notification and he could start chiming in. Exactly. I mean, I think, it, I think, you know, hate Facebook or indifferent to Facebook, uh, the platform works better for what professional surfing is. It does. It does. And I don't think the platform has even been fully developed yet. Like yeah. the version that you and I are um, seeing on Facebook our experience on Facebook right now, I don't think is what the WSL's thing is going to be. They're building out a new well, model and again, a new product. I, and again, I think this is all, it's not because Facebook loves surfing. No. It's not because Facebook is trying to get a younger audience. It's purely because Facebook wants to be in the business of live sports. And so if they have this as a showcase for this is what we can do yeah. um, and something that's, you know, surfing is a perfect, a perfect test monkey for it, right? It has yeah. a big enough audience uh, there's enough events, there's enough stuff around it, um, where, yeah, if Facebook can do it and make it look compelling to then the bigger fishes, uh, you know, NBA could someday theoretically do Absolutely. a full on Facebook deal. I where, think Facebook is going, we want people on our site 24 hours a day, yep. seven days a week. Why are they not on our site? Well, when they drive to work, when they're at work, when they're at home watching sporting events, well, let's just bring the sporting events back onto our thing yep. and they won't ever log off. Yeah. Simple as that. Smart. You know, and it sounds like you and I are advocating for Facebook and it's no, not advocating not. nor non-advocating. Yeah. It just is what it is. It, it's a, hey it, people, this is what's happening. It's a new platform. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing too. If we want to get into it, right? Like I could rail all day if I want to without my happy lenses on about, you know, the fact that Amazon, Apple, Google, and Facebook base those four companies own all our lives, right? They should all be broken up. You know, I would, I would advocate for, you know, trust busting all of them, whatever, but that's not going to happen. So it is what it is. They kind of make my life better. They do. And I, we've had this conversation yeah. here, right? Like, and I know I have a couple friends who are all about like, I don't care. Like I'm totally willing to give up whatever freedoms or whatever, you know, they're listening to me in my yeah. pocket, all that stuff. Hey, they, they know what I want. They make it easier yeah. to get, um, I guess I'm 
a curmudgeon in just like when things get too big, I want more options. I always want more options. I loathe my Apple phone. I'm not about to get a Samsung. Those are my two options. There's, right. I'm not going to get one, one of the Chinese phones that yeah, actually pump your data back to China. Like you're really, we're really stuck just because Apple is such a monopoly that, you know, no good. There's no good other phone. If somebody, yeah. if a listener out there knows of a good phone, that's not Samsung. Tell me. All right. I want to buy a new phone. Should we close out with uh, everybody's favorite favorite segment? Let's do it. All right. Barrel or not, Chaz? Calling surf maneuvers tricks. Um, it's a good one. This is a hard one. Listener submitted. Uh, I'm going to say... That's a trick. Nice trick. I'm going to say barrel. That's okay. Okay. I think so. What do you think about it? Uh, I'm saying nah. Okay, why? I don't I don't view them as tricks. Because? I don't know. I just, I feel like um, it's all, it all should be linked together. Like from the beginning of the wave to the end of the wave, there should be kind of a seamless flow and transition of energy from one maneuver to the next. I, I totally and agree. I don't know. Tricks make it sound like, so tricks are what I think Zoltan Torcos okay. is doing, or even Chippa Wilson to an extent where it's like set up, set up, set up, boom, trick, trick it, you know? Um, yeah, I agree with you there, but I'm going to say, I'm going to still say it's okay. Like these are the tricks he did during his wave, right? He did a true front side air. He did a whatever. And he did a whatever I guess is, is, uh, the, is getting barreled a trick. I don't think getting barreled is a trick. Uh, so would would anybody consider that a trick? Like he did four tricks. No. He did a front side air. He did what are tricks only aerials? It's a good question. If a trick That's is only, what it comes down to. Yeah, a trick would be an aerial, really, because it. Okay, here's the thing. Yes, I'm I'm totally barrel on tricks. Uh, if you're talking about tricks and surfing being the non-functional part of surfing. Um, okay. Because I'll say getting barreled is clearly functional. Uh, turns are generally functional. You're either slowing down or speeding up. Um, or, you know, whatever, uh, airs can be functional when you're airing over a section, right? but rarely do people use them functionally. So yeah. And I'll say in that way, uh, an air and surfing is no different than, um, a, you know, going out to the skate park and doing kickflip. Okay. So we're, we're allowed to use the word trick, but only to define certain things. non non-functional things. Got so it. So like, yeah. Some, any, most airs or, uh, yeah, because most things in surfing, you're right, which is the point I think you were hitting on. Most things in surfing are functional, like floaters. It's, it's, you're adapting to what the wave is throwing right. by doing by either slowing down, speeding up, getting barreled or doing a floater. Really? Hmm. Agreed. Okay. So tricks are aerials. Okay. Down. Okay. So barrel barrel. All right, then barrel or not. Nah? clapping when the plane lands oh man um i was really nah for a long time but then it got so ludicrous and the best places that do them are the the places that i've traveled where the the clapter is most robust are like super third worldy places where it's a real honest to goodness yay we made it like i've <laughs> had a real threat of you not making i've it. had many an aeroflot flight the russian airline like so many aeroflot flights where when it lands 
everybody erupts in clapter and it's like of course you did you made it like of course we're clapping there was a probably close to a 50 50 chance this thing was going down all right then so not on, whether or not its barrel is dictated by the airline by the airline yeah okay. and and the country like airline and country if you're flying uh lufthansa to heathrow lufthansa to heathrow no clapping okay that is a guarantee that is a 100 percent. you're making it yeah okay. Qantas anywhere no clapping okay because uh, you're not clapping that you're on the ground you're clapping that you actually made it so if you're riding an airline or flying an airline that has had major loss of life within this decade then i think clapping is yeah is good because it's also uh i think kind of being sarcastic t- towards the airline itself right like hey you got us here good job guys good you did exactly what you were paid to do yeah. good for you yep okay what about if it's just a sign of uh, appreciation for the pilot. Nope. Nope. I don't, I don't clap for that. Okay. I clap for, uh, we honestly made it. Can you, there was a good chance we were going to die, but okay. we didn't. So barrel, if barrel, for that reason, no barrel for, for a, a, a good airline <clears throat> flying to a good country. Have you ever been a good country? <laughs> um, have you ever been on a flight where people didn't clap? Yeah. These have you? Th- I, like, I'm trying to remember. I don't know that I have. I feel that like any commuter flight uh, where you're like flying up to San Francisco or whatever for the day, like where it's not, it, it takes a pleasure flyer to start the clapter, right? Like business, yeah. businessmen aren't clapping. No. And so if you're on a businessy flight, like commuter flights or, you know, I mean, yeah, I haven't, funny that you bring it up. I haven't, rem- I don't remember hearing clapping for a while now. Really? Yeah. I feel like even on commuter flights, there was always some 47-year-old woman named Karen in the back who was just who like, just, yay, yeah. you know, just like. I need to, maybe I've just drowned it out, but I feel I haven't heard a good clap for, yeah. a, for a landing in a while. Yeah, funny. All right. Well, barrel or non number three, um, also listeners submitted, strap-ons. Like dildos? They did not stipulate. Is that what they meant? Or did they mean strap on for toe surfing or kite surfing? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Okay, I'm so leaving it to you. Okay, so a strap on, a sexual strap on. I'm gonna be barrel. I mean, if that's what you're into, who am I to judge? Right. I feel we've talked about masturbation on this program. We've talked about uh, sex robots, which I've I've been both nah on both of those because of the lack of of human intimacy. Uh, a strap on achieves human intimacy mm. yeah so i'm gonna say barrel for that kind of strap on i'm going to say do, do people use straps anymore at all when they toe surf i do don't you, know yes I, they in do toe surfing they do they yeah. do yeah yeah like proper toe it seems like people getting towed in on just no think about it like ours or something like that in australia are they strapped oh i guess so yeah mm-hmm. those guys are okay I, uh, yeah so i'm gonna go barrel for that too i'm gonna go barrel across the board and okay. i don't i wouldn't know how you would windsurf or i'm not i'm not into those things uh, windsurfing, kite surfing, but I don't know how you would do it without being strapped. So right. I'm going to go strap-ons. Did they say strap-on or strap-in? On. Strap-on. No, well, ons. I think it was plural. Strap-ons. Well, that's yeah. only one meaning then. That is only dildo. <laughs> no, that would be strap-ins. Yeah. Strap-ons are... I've never done it, but I'm going to give it a barrel. All right. Well, there's still time, Chaz. Yeah. Well, um, I better do it quick before the cancer gets me. Um, all right. Final barrel or not. Nah. Gaming the system. This specifically comes from the female Olympic skier who gamed the system Mm. by simply not falling. I'm going to give background real quick. For anybody who didn't see this story, I will definitely post the video, surfsplendorpodcast.com. I'll send it to Chaz for Beach Grit too. 
Elizabeth Sweeney is a 33-year-old Harvard-educated American. Sweeney is not one of the best skiers in the world, but she competed in the Olympics this year for Hungary because she has Hungarian grandparents. She previously competed for Venezuela, Mm. and uh, she's a woman's freestyle pipe skier. Either Sweeney is either an embarrassment to the Olympics um, or she's an admirable study in persistence who provided the kind of offbeat story that the Olympics kind of needs and enjoys. Her spot in the Olympics is a result to a relative lack of depth in the women's half pipe and the fact that other countries that dominate that some other countries that dominate the sport like the United States can only send four competitors. So Sweeney met the minimum requirements for making the Winter Olympics by consistently finishing in the top 30 in the World Cup events simply because many of the events did not attract 30 women. And as points are deducted for falling on a run, she simply developed a strategy to play it safe and not fall. She didn't do any tricks, but she didn't fall. She basically got in the half pipe and just went up one side, turned, and came down. Up And at one point, she did a 180 and skied out backwards, but that's all she did. Amazing. It's hilarious to watch. This, is it barrel or not a game the system? I'm going to say totally barrel. The system is there to be gamed, right? And so if you don't, if you don't want... I mean, the system can can take care of the system i don't need to take care of the system so yeah for swaney good honor like that's what the that silly event anyway i mean skiing half pipe skiing is silly to begin with and so the fact that she went in and made it even look more silly is good honor but you know what's going to happen this is going to happen tokyo 2020 in surfing somebody's going to a i mean i wrote about this on beach right a zoltan torcos is going to he can do kickflips he's going to figure out he can go surf for venezuela uh, he's going to go do it. He's going to get to the Olympics and he's going to have his Olympic moment and good on him. Like that's what the Olympics, the whole Olympics is built for this kind of thing. And the people who cry, oh, but you're, you know, you're taking away from real athletes and all that kind of stuff is totally true. But it's a, it's a funny gameable system. It is. And it's, um, I'm wondering, I don't, I can't remember the last time I watched a women's half pipe run. Yeah. If ever. But you watched all of Liz's. I watched it. Yeah. That's the course. first one I've watched in a long time. Top to bottom. So yeah. it actually gained viewership. Which is, and which is why I think the people who really do it are frustrated because now she becomes the image to way more people than actually watch women's half pipe skiing of like, oh, this is what it is. It's like a, a laughable footnote. But right. really and truly, women's half pipe skiing is kind of, a, I mean, not women's half pipe skiing, uh, half pipe skiing full stop the skis should not be in the half pipe let's just be really yeah. honest yeah, like yeah. so you're already talking about a total aberration right and then an, an odd thing happening to the aberration what's funny about it is that she isn't really admitting that she was gaming the system no it's hilarious she did a bunch of interviews and she's like pretty much defending her point like i don't know why everybody's making fun i did an alley-oop on one of the turns and i can do backflips and blah 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 so I looked at a video of her online. Have you seen this no. video? She put together this like show reel. Like best of? Yes. It is amazing. Okay, I want to put this on Beach Grid. It, I'll send it to you. Okay. It's absolutely amazing. It is almost as if it's like um, you could see Amy Poehler playing her and making a sports comedy about a woman who thinks that she's a good skier and isn't because like the music, there's like these little music stings when she goes off the jump to try to do a backflip. All of it is very poorly executed with horrible style. The backflips that she's doing are into a pool like of water. It's not like she's landing (laughs) on a hard surface, but even then you and I could do it better on our first try. Like 
she is not a gifted athlete at yeah. all. And so in all these post heat or not post heat, but in these interviews that she was doing after this run, she's like fully defending her ability level. Well, and, and I also read some defense of her by her of, uh, look at this is the, I'm, I am an inspirational figure to kids who you can be whatever you want. If you want to be an Olympian, you can go be an Olympian kid. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of, I, I agree with you about gaming the system where it's like, dude, if on your resume for the rest of your life, you could be like, I'm an Olympian. I'm a, yeah. Great. That's awesome. My, my real question though is who, which surfer, which professional surfer is going to, are we going to see which, which tangential surf character are we going to see in Tokyo surfing for a country? Will we see Mick Fanning That will try to do this? Is yeah. that what you're asking? We see Mick Fanning surfing for Israel? Hmm. <laughs> That'd be good. They have to have some lineage. What What is, like, how much do you have to have in your bloodline to represent a country? Oh, I don't think any. I think you just have, the country just has to, you know, you have to be a air quote citizen. So really sure. I mean, or whatever. So yeah, you can, uh, I think you could do it as long as the country is willing, you know, to make the accommodation for you to be part of that country, whatever that is, you don't have to have any blood or any even tangential relationship. Well, that's what, what's interesting about Elizabeth Sweeney is, um, she was the most qualified from the hungry qualifiers. So it's like, we can't, if she wasn't doing that in the run, then maybe there would have been somebody who ate crap on their first, yeah. trick attempt you know so um it's not like she was taking the place of somebody who was more qualified no no but that is a good question i don't know i'm trying to think um we might see somebody like who are mark Akalupo riding for uh, yeah where's Aki? Fin- finland or something Aki's you know? from somewhere oh he's a, he's italian i think is he really i think i mean i think this is his family yeah is italian How'd you like the Ock cast with christian fletcher i haven't heard it yet but i've i read some fantastic things uh, um, Derek's recap of it yeah. was actually spot on. Derek pitched it as like, Aki's a great interviewer. I was like, clearly Derek is, this is satirical. But Derek's analysis was actually good. And then I watched it and Derek was spot on. Actually, Aki did a phenomenal job of getting Nathan, or Christian to say some stuff, but it was all within the first minute of the clip essentially. <laughs> and the next 43 minutes were so boring. Which made me realize, I don't think Derek, Derek ever listens watched, to the podcast yeah, all the way through. He listened to the first minute. All of the comments he's ever made about this podcast are within the first 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, of the Oc cast that he's commented on as That well. is fantastic. Yeah, I, wanted, I want to, based on Derek's write-up, though, I really do want to go in and listen to, the, to that Oc cast. Do the first five minutes. Okay. It is amazing. Okay. It is really amazing. All right, well, beachgrid.com is where you find Chaz and all his work. Surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you'll find all the show notes for today, uh, all the videos, everything that we discussed in this show. The contact form is where you could send anonymous rumors. How do people get a hold of you? You can email me at chaz at beachgrid.com or find me on Instagram at reports from hell. And again, if anybody out there has any yeah. kind of 80s surf footage, I'm starving. Awesome. Starving for it. Crowdfunded. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine how people gathered footage back in the day for documentaries oh without crowdfunding it or sourcing it. Anyway. The surf industry is just so absolutely ridiculous about how it licensed. Like the professional surfing for the longest time, let one guy uh, license it all. So WSL does not own footage. ASP doesn't own. Nobody owns the footage. This one guy does. And if he wants to throw up a block, then there's no way around it for contest footage. Amazing. Yep. All right. Well, hello at Surf Splendor Podcast is how you get a hold of me. Um, major shout out 
healthiq.com slash surf splendor. And then of course, spyoptic.com. Yeah. Next podcast. I'm going to come back on and see if I'm happier over the course of the two weeks. I want to come up with a form for you to actually like every day, get up and fill out. I'm feeling this level of happiness today or something like that. I got to get off the Percocet first. Is that helping or hindering the happiness? I'm actually off the Percocet more or less, but yeah, sometimes I kick it in. Hitting the vape pen? Uh, I'm hitting the vape. I'm hitting the hot knife. Yeah? Yeah. Oddly. Have you ever smoked weed through any serious injury thing? No. It's phenomenal. I'll tell you. I've never done it before. But Uh, way better than obviously prescriptions. Way better. And it, it actually takes care of the pain better. I mean, it's not like, oh, I'm doing this other thing, you know, because I don't want to get right to the opioids but i'm getting a lesser it's better right the opioids yeah like it's ridiculous to me that they're not just yeah places that have opioid crisis that they're not just giving weed to everybody so get on the weed folks yeah no i agree with you um it is crazy well spyoptic.com by the way that promo code is podcast for anybody who wants to get all those freebies and then uh shout out to the surfrider foundation of course surfrider.org and until two weeks from now Chaz, get barrel